present I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue, the antidote to panel games. At the piano is Colin Sell and your chairman is Humphrey Nittleton. Hello and welcome to I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue. You join us for a second week at the Civic Theatre in Darlington, a fine town nestling on the County Durham and North Yorkshire border. According to local folklore, this area was once the domain of a notorious creature called the Sockburn Worm. Such was the terror wreaked by this beast that the Prince Bishop of Durham himself offered a reward to anyone able to rid him of this terrible beast. The worm was eventually slain by one John Conyers, and to this very day, every year, a special public ceremony is held at which the senior member of the Conyers family has the great honour of deworming the Bishop of Durham. <laughs> As the area around the Tees Valley around the town is well known for the proliferation of cuckoos, Darlington is home to the British Cuckoo Society, whose office is to be found on Church Street. It's actually a branch of the Halifax, but whenever they go out to lunch, they come back to find the Cuckoo Society has moved in. <laughs> However, they're not alone in their position of receiving unwanted visitors trying to get something for nothing. <laughs> Let's meet the teams. <laughs> On my left, Graham Garden and Barry Cryer. <laughs> On my right, Tony Hawks and Tim Brooke Taylor. <laughs> and carefully positioning her comfortable seat on my left hand, please welcome our... Please welcome our ever-fragrant scorer, the delightful Samantha. We begin with a round of new definitions. The English language is constantly developing to the point where it's often difficult to keep up with the true meanings of words. For example, many people don't fully understand the subtle differentiation between calamity and catastrophe. Well, those of us who've taken the trouble to study our language in depth know that a calamity is a disaster or misfortune, especially one causing extreme havoc, misery or distress, whereas a catastrophe is a punctuation mark shaped like a wiggly tadpole. <laughs> okay, teams, I'd like you to submit any new definitions of existing words that you may have spotted recently. Tony, would you care to start, please? Divergent. An unsuccessful Welsh Lothario. Tim. Suggestive, a sexy biscuit. Graham. Uh, Loofah, an outdoor toilet. <laughs> Veneer, Flemish painter of floorboards. Meander, she and I. Garden Gate, huge scandal involving Graham Garden. <laughs> Blandish, Michael Aspel. Feckless. An unsuccessful Irish Lothario. <laughs> Direction, aroused Welshman. 
and uh, fibre optics, the healthy alternative to eye candy. <laughs> Insolent, fell off the Isle of Wight ferry. <laughs> Circumnavigation, bar mitzvah on a cruise. <laughs> Conclude an obscenely shaped nose. <laughs> Humphrey, a road with no sleeping policeman. <laughs> Let's move on to sound charades. Listeners may not be aware that this was developed from the old TV show called Give Us a Clue, where the teams mime titles of films or books against a strict time limit. Possibly the most versatile performer was Lionel Blair. <laughs> and no one will ever forget the occasion he was given a town like Alice when he chose to do a silent impression of the author. Such was the performance, Eunice Stubbs gasped in amazement when she saw Neville shoot in Lionel's face. <laughs> in the TV original, the players had to perform in total silence. As that system would not be very entertaining on the wireless, the teams have been given permission to speak. Not that it'll make a blind bit of difference. <laughs> Tim and Tony, you're to start, please, and your title will shortly be displayed to the audience via the laser display screen. <laughs> and here's the mystery voice for listeners at home. Lady Windermere's fan. Lady Windermere's fan. It's three, three words, yeah. and it's Definitely a play. I don't mm. know if there are other versions of it, but we're doing the play version. Well, mm? I have to say I can't see it myself. Really? I think she's oh. wonderful. Oh. No, I'm sorry. No, I think she's absolutely wonderful. No, no, no I, 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 don't, I don't know what you've seen. She's you see, almost no. a perfect lady. No, she is now. Really, you can't see it? No, I can't see it at all. So I'm on my own. It looks like it. Well, for, for me, she just walks on water. Oh. <laughs> she does. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's how she got her name. It's possible. Know. That's one of the, just the most wonderful things about her. She yeah. is perfect. Look, it's a what, photograph what, I've got to sign um, to me. What particular bit to of water right. would you say that she might walk on there? Somewhere in the Lake District, oh, right, possibly. Right. Come, on, come on, I'm not certain, but I just admire everything she does. Yeah, well, I can't say it. Anyway, nice, nice to meet I you. I think she's gorgeous. Cheers. Yeah. See you then. Got no taste. <laughs> Tim seemed a lot more enthusiastic than uh, yeah. Tony. He seemed almost obsessive, almost like a stalker, <laughs> talking about this yeah. lady. From the Lake District. In the Lake, Lake District, yes. Yeah. Yes. Time's yes. up. Lady... <laughs> I think it's Lady... Windermere, I Lady Boness. No. no. <laughs> it's Lady Windermere's stalker. Lady Windermere's stalker. <laughs> Is that not right? Could be fan. Could be fan. Could be fan. Right, your turn, Barry and Graham. Your title is now being exhibited on the laser display board, and here again is the mystery voice for listeners at home. X-Men. X-Men. Film. Yeah. You want to know how many words? Yes. If you're going to tell us. One and a bit. <laughs> here it is. 
Dougal. Hey, hey. <laughs> I've had your tea. Oh, oh, oh. Time's Sir. up. <laughs> <laughs> to hell with tea. Ooh. Don't look now, yeah. but I spy new totty in the village. Ooh. That'll mean fresh talent in the fiddler's kilt. What? Oh, <laughs> those, those two over there. Hi, do you know them? Well... Because if you do, could you introduce me to the wee redhead? To the wee redhead? Do you know, remember, old Sandy McWinney? <laughs> yes. James, that's not him. <laughs> well, it, it's not him after his... Uh, Trip to Casablanca. That must have cost him a packet. It certainly did. <laughs> Mind you, I knew he had a little bit tucked away. I... <laughs> Not any longer. <laughs> what about the other one, the, the big blonde? Big Jamie from the abattoir. Oh! <laughs> so no, you're no. telling me, old friend, that they are both... Aye, that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> well, well they went for a sex change. They've had a sex change. They've had. They've lost their uh, vitals. What we? Uh, I don't know what sex. we might call them. Uh, X, Sandy, and Billy. Yeah, oh. X, the sex files. X. No, the X Men. Oh, X Men. The next game is a variation on the ancient playground game of paper, scissors, stone, where two players hold out a hand in one of three shapes, the premise being that paper wraps stone, stone blunts scissors, and scissors cut paper. Ours is a grown-up version of the game entitled Cow Lake Bomb. <laughs> this follows the same principles as the original game, but is specially adapted for the wireless. So, teams, I've furnished each of you with several sound effects, including a cow, a lake, and a bomb. After my count of three, I'd like you each to play in one of these effects, and I shall announce the winner. The rules are fairly self-explanatory. Obviously, cow drinks lake, lake extinguishes bomb, and bomb blows up cow. <laughs> All clear? Excellent. Well, off we go, then. One, two, three... Whose was that? <laughs> we did the cow. We did we the did cow. The, we, we did the cow. All right, mm. we did the late. You drank us. Yeah. We Why were. is that not a surprise? <laughs> <laughs> this is good. We won that one. Should we have another? Right, game? next one. One, two, three. <laughs> I had the bomb. Okay, here's another one. Are you ahead now? I think we're level pegging, aren't we? Yeah, here's another one. One, two, three. <laughs> we were a bloody big car. <laughs> what were you? What were you? I don't know, Barry Preston. Um, <laughs> I was at QE2. I thought we needed a... 
a little change of emphasis. Well, so, so are we. So, this is a collision. Hum, for adjudication, 2QE2. I'm not here to be... Yes, you are. <laughs> I think that's the only reason you're here. <laughs> I think that was Should pretty good. Yeah, yeah, Barry, you won that one. Oh, right. I'm, I'm right beginning to get the hang of this. <laughs> One, two, three. Cockerel. To see you, sir. <laughs> yeah, I was, the, I was the alarm. Oh, there's a dead cockerel in the office. <laughs> My God, there's a whole lot of them in the office now. One, two. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go on saying one, two, three. I'm getting okay. a, a, a sense of power on this. <laughs> All I've got to do is say one, two, three, and yes, the most yes. extraordinary and stupid things happen. One, two, three. <laughs> oh, this is great. One, two, three. <laughs> That's the best game we've ever played. Sorry, Tony. Sorry, they're considerably older than me, and they're even like nine-year-old children. You say you're sorry. I'm sorry. All right, thanks, Peter. Okay, Hump, I thought you managed that very well. It's now time to play the game called Mornington Crescent. But first, I notice we've received in excess of no letters this week. <laughs> and it comes from a Mrs. Trellis of North Wales. Dear Mr. Rumsfeld, <laughs> Congratulations on the accuracy of those smart bombs of yours. The one that landed in our greenhouse hit it smack in the middle. <laughs> Yours sincerely, Mrs. Trellis. And now on with the game, which, appropriately enough this week, is the official American rules version. Under the original regulations, this meant that half the players only join in two years late. But these have been recently modified in that the winner, who is actually decided before the game, can start any time he pleases. <laughs> OK, teams, remember that tourist sites count double, Grosvenor Square is wild, and any bush-related move will trump. <laughs> You're permitted to ask directions. Tim, will you start, please? Um, Piccadilly Circus. Hmm. Shepherds. Bush. Oh, yes. Yep. I, don't, I don't think... Well, it's not in the spirit of the game. What? <laughs> it's Straight not in the spirit. Trump. Um, he trumped. Oh, I wasn't expecting that. So. No. Um, he trumped, did he? I think yeah. the only... The only well, I'm way... often known for my early Trump. Uh, <laughs> the only way out is London Bridge. 
Oh. Actually, that's very good. That's good. Is that your yeah. It's good. Yeah. Quite, Come out with it. Quite Don't mumble. Um, oh, sorry. Graham. Uh, Leicester Square. Ah, good. good. Mer- American, American rules. rules. American, American rules. rules. Yeah. <laughs> In that case, Grosvenor Square, which is wild. Ah, 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 ah. Ealing Broadway. Yes. That's yes. blocked it. That's blocked it. Yeah. Not That's bad. a very obvious move. Don't applaud that. Um, but it worked. It worked, OK, but I think it lets me Short in with term. A, tourist sites are double, are they? Hump. Yep. Right. Um, can I have um, the British Museum no. looted? <laughs> can I have that? Mm-hmm. Good, thank you. Yeah. yeah. We never have anything, really, at this stage. <laughs> yeah. Can you double again on that? Okay. Yeah, Bush House in the Aldwych. Mm. Yes. L'Etoile. No, sorry, I lapsed in the French version. I've been playing that. Uh, Are you Southampton Row. Southampton Row. Barking. Yes. Clever. Bush-related. Yeah. <laughs> Acacia Avenue. Oh, oh yeah. Nice. Very clever. Mm. Oh, Piccadilly. Osterley. Straight in. Osterley, yeah. Embankment. Yeah. Oh, no. Mornington Christmas. Oh! Oh! American rules. Hannick's round takes us back to the England of the genteel pre-war era, the time when country gentlemen drove in the gondas to watch cricket on the village green and maiden aunts sat in Lloyd Loom garden chairs embroidering home sweet home onto linen doilies while black-shirted fascists eat seven kinds of snot out of anyone foreign-looking. The teams are going to grapple with some pre-war handy hints which would have proved useful to the housewife in the years up to 1939. Hints such as whether Poland is a good place for an early autumn break (laughs) or how to get powdered egg stains off a V1 doodlebug. (laughs) Teams, I brought along a selection of handy hint-related questions from my own boyhood in the 1930s to which I'd like you to provide homespun answers. Okay, we'll start with you, Tim. How might unwanted wax gramophone records be put to good use? Start your own radio programme and call it the best of jazz. (laughs) (laughs) It's the decent thing to do. (laughs) The answer is by melting unwanted wax gramophone records and mixing with turpentine, a polish is obtained which produces an excellent surface and shine on wood. How true. Tony, here's one for you. Can you answer this household query? What can be revived by plunging into boiling water? The memory that boiling water hurts. (laughs) I have the the actual answer here from a contemporary book. It's drooping flowers. Graham, can you help with this one? What can one use if short of pipe cleaners? A very thin chimney sweep. (laughs) (laughs) But it says here, good strong feathers such as those from rooks, pigeons or cows. (laughs) I think the office typewriter looks... Of course, it's rooks, pigeons, and crows. 
they're all true, too. They come out of Good Housekeeping, one of their publications back in 1930-something. <laughs> Barry, what can one do when two tumblers have become fixed one inside the other? <laughs> you... You ring circus emergency services. I think this is quite a useful answer. You pour cold water into the inner glass and stand the outer one in warm water. In this manner, the inner glass contracts and the outer one expands, so they're easily separated. So you basically pour a bucket of cold water over them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Tim, can you answer this? How can one employ vegetables to effectively remove the smell of paint? You stick two large carrots up your nose. This is, take notice of this. You slice up sufficient onions to cover a dinner plate and place in the painted room for 24 hours. The onions must then be destroyed as they're poisonous if used for food. <laughs> what have they done? Tony, what about this household conundrum? How can one ensure that there's always a spare towel in the bathroom for a guest? <laughs> well, count the number of towels in the house, then add up the number of people living there subtract the latter from the former if it's an equal number or a negative number get more towels in (laughs) well as we all know the well-equipped bathroom has a profusion of towels but the occasional guest or visitor such as a doctor making a professional a what? Oh, those were the days. (laughs) Such as a doctor making a professional call may not be able to decide on the towel to use. At least one towel rail should be definitely allocated to the guest, and in this event, it's a good plan to have a small ivorine tablet engraved with the words guest and mounted over the special rail. Very sensible indeed. (laughs) A load of bollocks, nonetheless. Graham, can you help with this one? How should I dispose of broken glass? You throw it out through the hole in the window. (laughs) Well, people who live in the country often find it difficult to dispose of broken glass. Have you ever thought of putting it on the fire? Everyone knows that glass will not burn, but on a fairly hot fire it will melt down into a lump or sort of clinker which can be thrown out anywhere in the garden with perfect safety. Barry, can you tell us, please, what is the perfect distance between guests at table for a formal dinner? I know this one. You just use the cutlery. You take the knife and fork and you put them end to end to establish the width so you know the space between the guests, and then you take the knife and fork off. The answer is that some people always allow 27 inches for each place. Others think that 24 inches from the centre of one plate to the centre of the next is sufficient. This very largely depends on the size and shape of your china and cutlery and also the width of your dining room chairs. Tim, what ordinary household item might prove of assistance should you intend pricking out in the garden? (laughs) Warm sugar tongs? Two lumps, Vicar? <laughs> the answer is an old pencil makes an excellent miniature dibber when pricking out seedlings. 
Tony, how much you it provide? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Who wants to take over? <laughs> Angus Deaton. <laughs> He'd know the answer to this. How might how might suet provide nourishment for tits? It doesn't matter. The main thing is convincing her to let you try. There aren't. The answer is a piece of suet from the butcher tied up and hung out is an attractive and nourishing food for tits and finches. <laughs> I notice it's very nearly the end of the show, but there's just time to fit in a round of Gardener's Theatre Club. Samantha tells me she has to nip off now as her trusted aged gardener is coming round to identify the mysterious trailing plant that's growing in her privet. Obviously... Well, obviously she's keen not to miss him if there's a chance she might have an old man's beard in her bush. So, So while she's away... I keep, I keep thinking of Lord Reith. I don't know why. <laughs> why, did he write this? <laughs> so while she's away enjoying that, I'd like the teams to suggest titles of plays and other theatre productions that might appeal to an audience of gardeners. Tim, will you start, please? Henry the Fork, part two. <laughs> ah. Henry Ivy. Do you get it? <laughs> Prune back in anger. <laughs> Dial M for manure. <laughs> the importance of breeding turnips. Oedipus <laughs> <laughs> rakes. <laughs> Tis pity she's a horticulturalist. <laughs> Best little hoe house in Texas. <laughs> the ditches of Malfi. <laughs> Fence and fenceability. <laughs> Troilus and Cress. Charlie Dimmock in Titty Titty Bang Bang. <laughs> the Mole Trap. <laughs> Lady Windermere's Fern. <laughs> That's it. And so, ladies and gentlemen, as the Orchestra of Eternity prepares to enter the Albert Hall of Fate, and Albert Hall decides it's time he got a proper job. <laughs> I notice it's the end of the show, so from the team, Samantha and myself, and the fine folk of Darlington, it's goodbye. Graham Gardner, Tim Brooke Taylor and Tony Hawkes have been given silly things to do by Humphrey Littleton with Colin Sell setting some of them to music. The programme consultant was Ian Pattinson and the producer was John Naismith. <laughs>